Hey, and welcome to the Becoming People of Prayer podcast series. Uh, This is episode five. Uh, In this episode, we are going to be talking about the whole concept of prayer as communion with God. Did you know that God wants to be with you? This is a major theme throughout scripture, that God desires to be with us. So the question then is, well, how are we to be with him? How are we to respond to that? Well, I think that prayer is an incredibly important part of that, and that is what we're going to talk about in this episode. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Becoming People of Prayer podcast, a podcast designed to explore the spiritual discipline of prayer and hopefully help you and me in becoming people who pray. So throughout scripture, there is this theme of God wanting to be with us. I've talked about Adam and Eve over and over again. Again, though, we see this concept in the Garden of Eden of a God who wants to be with his people. Uh, In Genesis, we read that God creates Adam and he places him in the garden. And this whole picture we have of Adam walking with God in the cool of the day, this friendship, this, this relationship. relationship. We, we talk in it's Christianity about but unfortunately sin gets in the way, doesn't it? Again, sin, very simply, people choosing their own way over God's. Well, God didn't create us to live in our own way. He, he created us to walk in his way. That's where full life is found. And so this sin separates us from him. But God wasn't finished with humanity. And all throughout the Old Testament and into the New, we read about a God who is pursuing his people, desiring to be with them. It's amazing. It's beautiful. We have in the Old Testament, the temple and the tabernacle, God dwelling among his people. Not only that, but God sends his prophets, people who come and speak his voice to the people where where God's saying to them to, to return to him, to be with him, to come to him. Ultimately, in the New Testament, Jesus comes. John chapter 1 tells us that that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, this picture of tabernacled among us, that Old Testament image of God being among his people. And he came in Jesus, and Jesus ultimately giving his life, paying the ultimate price so that we could be, could be what? We could be with God we could be in relationship with God once again, the way that we were designed to. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit who abides in us who are Christians. And that Holy Spirit allows us to be in constant fellowship with God. Friends, thanks be to God for this whole concept of him wanting to be with us. It is amazing. We have access to that. So God desires to be with us, but not only does he desire that, he's also designed us to be with him. The writer of Ecclesiastes talks about how eternity is in the hearts of men. And and, um, Augustine, one of the early church fathers, makes this profound observation, this profound summary of a lot of what we read in scripture about humanity, that our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And you see this in the world, don't you? People striving and running and and doing everything that they can to satisfy something in them, but not being able to. Why is that? 
Well, it's because eternity is set in our hearts. And that the answer to eternity, the understanding of our purpose, the understanding of, of who we are, why are we here, it, it only really comes to us in, in God's word where it speaks to us that we have a creator and that that creator loves us, that that creator wants to be with us, that we will only be satisfied if we choose to be with him. So how do we, how do, we do that? Well, simply our response needs to be to be with him. You know, I've so often heard Christians talk to me about how God feels far off. They they feel like they can't experience God's presence. They wonder where he is. They get frustrated. And I often will reply to them that that it's not this reality that God is not present to us. I think more often to not when we when we feel like God is far off, it's that we have chosen not to be present to him. We need to be present to him. We need to show up. You know, this this whole idea of being satisfied, God is not going to force feed us into living life the way he designed us to. He's given us our will and so often we choose sin over God. But God's desire, his heart, is to be with us that we would find that contentment, that rest, that satisfaction in him. And for us to do that, for us to experience that, we have to be present to Him. We defined prayer in this con- in this podcast as a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. So the more we learn about God, the more we respond to Him. Right? That prayer is responding to the speech of God. Um, so if God's coming at a, to us and saying, "I want to be present with you," "I want to be with you." Well, prayer then is one of the vehicles by which we are present to God. In prayer, our hearts connect with his heart. So how do we practice this? How do we practice this? Well, I want to talk about two elements of that in this podcast episode. The first is um, the the discipline of continual prayer, uh, recognizing that our prayer needs to be constant um, the second is the concept of set aside times of prayer. And I'm going to unpack both of those uh, really quickly. So first, continual prayer. Continual prayer, very simply, is communing with God through the day. We're communing with God throughout our day. So whether we are in the shower or getting out of bed, whether we're eating breakfast in our vehicles, driving to work, whether we're running errands, whether we're at work or in school or with our families or playing sports or whatever it is, <laughs> in all of those times, we have the opportunity to commune with God through prayer. Now, it's easy for us to think that prayer requires us to get down on our knees, to find a closet and shut the door and pray. And while there's a time and a place for that, we're going to get to that, um, prayer should be commun continual. Prayer should be happening constantly. We don't need necessarily all those things. Again, how did I start this podcast? Talking about this idea that God wants to be with us. In doing that, he's given us the Holy Spirit who abides with us. And so really, we are constantly with him as we choose to be. So friends, we need to choose to be. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm just going to give us three quick things. We need to yield to him. We need to respond to him and we need to invite him in. So this whole idea of yielding, you know, when you're driving in your vehicle 
and you come to that yellow light, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to yield. What does yielding require? It requires us to slow down. What do we often want to do when we see a yellow light? We want to speed up. We want to run through it. Friends, we we approach life this way. Uh, When we are heading from one place to another, typically we are living fast-paced. We want to get from A to B. We want to find times for ourselves. We, We want to take advantage of every moment, and we find ourselves running around. But I want to suggest that that type of pace is not conducive to us experiencing a continual presence with God. Rather, we need to yield, which means before we move, before we run to that next thing, before we head into one thing or the other, we slow down and we pray. We slow down and we recognize the Holy Spirit is with us. We slow down and we breathe and we recognize that ultimately at the end of the day, we are not in control. God is in control. And we need to pace ourselves in such a way that we can hear his voice. So we slow down, we recognize he's with us, and in that we are yielding. Secondly, we respond to him. So, so as we're slowing down, as we're getting used to and, and feeling this normal sense of his presence, uh, we need to respond with God to different situations. So in any given day, you and I are faced with difficulty, with stress, with anxiety. Not all of the stress and anxiety is necessarily bad, but whether it's a, a complicated situation at work or, or whatever it is, right? We, we face different things. Well, what if when we came up against those things, our response, while it is emotional and while it rises up in us, what if part of that response was prayer? You know what I mean? So, so as we feel a difficulty, a stress, an anxiety, what if we allowed that to propel us into prayer? Simplic- the simplicity of this is saying, Lord, I'm feeling anxious. Or, or Lord, this is a big decision. Or, or Lord, I, man, I've never been faced with this. God, help, help me to navigate this situation. And in each one of these things, we are responding to the situations around us in prayer. Uh, Paul Miller, um, who wrote a book called The Praying Life, he talks about anxiety and depression. And he, he, he gets into this idea that to just continually feel anxiety and depression is, is for us to miss out on opportunities to pray, which I thought was interesting. Now, I know there's lots, there's lots around anxiety and depression um, when it comes to um, what's going on in our brains and such. Um, but what if those anxious feelings, those depressed feelings... Instead of just allowing them to overwhelm us, which is very difficult, I understand that. But what if we saw them as opportunities to pray? What if our anxiety and our depression was actually a springboard into constant prayer? That's a challenging thing. But I I think we can learn and discipline ourselves to engage in prayer in that way and ultimately to engage in God's presence in that way. We can, not only are we responding to situations with prayer, but what about the good things that happen in a day? What if instead of just smiling and going, man, that's awesome. What if it turned into a prayer of thanksgiving? Again, we've yielded, right? We've slowed down. We've recognized that God is with us. So as good things are coming, it's us saying, God, thank you. Thank you for that parking spot. Thank you for that friend. Thank you for this cup of coffee. 
and in all things just bringing it back to God in a posture of thanksgiving. We also have the opportunity to respond to him when we see him, which is a maybe an interesting concept. But you know those moments in a day, be it a kind word from a stranger, uh, be it watching a sunrise or a sunset, be it listening to the wind in the trees, or watching a child play and laugh. Man, I don't know about you, but in those types of situations, I feel like I'm seeing God. What if in those moments, instead of just appreciating them for what they are, we turn those into times of prayer and thanksgiving? It's the simplicity of of saying back to God, God, I see you in the sunrise. I see you on that child's face. I see you in that coworker of mine who said that encouraging word, thank you. Lord, for being present to me. Help me to be present to you. So we practice continual prayer by yielding, by responding. And thirdly, we practice, uh, we, we practice continual prayer by really uh, this concept of practicing the presence of God. Uh, there's a pretty famous book called, called that, called Practicing the Presence of God, written uh, by Brother Lawrence. And I believe it's from the 17th uh, the 1700s, so the 18th century. Um, and, and Brother Lawrence has kind of become famous for this monk who talked about how his greatest times of prayer were washing the dishes, if you can imagine. But Brother Lawrence did not see a separation between uh, kneeling in prayer before God at church uh, to washing the dishes. He saw both as an opportunity for him to practice the presence of God. And as I read his book, I see him as one who is yielding and as one who is responding. But the overarching idea is this discipline, this practicing the presence of God, which is the discipline of saying, God, I want to be present to you. God, as I wash the dishes, I want to be present to you. God, as I sit on this bench, I want to be present to you. God, as I type up this report at work, I want to be present to you. And so I believe through those three things, yielding, responding, and practicing the presence, we will begin to engage more deeply in continual prayer, which is just one of many ways that you and I can be present to God, that we can start to experience some of that satisfaction through prayer by being in relationship with Him. The second element I want to talk to us about and this whole conversation of, of being people who are present to God and communing with Him in prayer is the whole idea of having set aside times. Set aside times. Uh, when I spoke to us about praying the Lord's Prayer, we talked really briefly about the word holy. That when we pray, holy is your name or, or hallowed be your name, we're basically acknowledging that who God is is set apart. He's different. He's higher and greater and more powerful than anything or anyone else. He is holy. Well, set aside times is like having holy time in our week, holy time in our day, time that has been taken and set aside as different from all the other time. And we've looked at it and we said, no, this, this is set aside time with God. This is specific time. This is time I'm just going to sit and be with God. And this is a discipline or practice that has come to us from none other than Jesus himself. Jesus demonstrates to us over and over again the importance of set-aside time. 
the New Testament uses uh, this word or this concept of wilderness when it comes to Jesus uh, spending time with God. Uh, sometimes it translates it as a desolate place or a private place, a place alone. But if you've read the Gospels, you've probably noticed that over and over again, Jesus goes to these places. In Matthew chapter 4, right after his baptism, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit to this desolate place, into the wilderness, where he spends time alone with God. In Mark chapter 1, we read about Jesus getting up early in the morning and and interacting with God. In Mark chapter 6, we read about um, the, the disciples who are so busy in ministry. Jesus says to them, hey guys, let's get away Let's go have a retreat. Let's let's go find a, a desolate place to be alone with God. These are set aside times. Now, what's amazing to me in the Gospels is as we read about these things, is that um, the way that Jesus responds to situations immediately following. So the in the example of Mark chapter 1, Jesus' ministry is gaining momentum in, the, in Galilee and people are all excited and, and Jesus goes and he has this prayer time. And then he comes back and his disciples are looking for him, wondering where he is, right? And there's all this energy and Jesus, come on, we got to go do more stuff. We got we to gotta make your name even bigger. We got to grow our ministry. And Jesus says, no, we got to go somewhere else. We got to go somewhere where no one knows me. And I want to preach to them there the kingdom of God. And, and from a strategic level, from the disciples' perspective, that was foolish. Jesus, why would you do this? Well, Jesus had heard from God. In the example from Mark chapter 6, we have the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus takes his disciples, they're trying to go on a little retreat, and all these people flock and follow them. And instead of sending them away so Jesus can have his quiet time, he ministers to them. He feeds them. It's an amazing story. But what happens after that? You know, I I think about in my own life when I'm having a busy day, a busy day of ministry. You know, I want to come home. I want to put my feet up. I might make myself a a cup of coffee. I want to relax, turn on television. I just want to turn my brain off, right? What does Jesus demonstrate to us, though? After all that chaos, after that busy day of ministry, Jesus's idea of putting his feet up was getting alone with God and set aside times of prayer. It's amazing. John chapter 5, we read that Jesus did only what the Father told him to do. How did he know what the Father desired him to do? Well, he got alone with him. He spent time with him and he learned to hear the Father's voice. So friends, if Jesus required these set-aside times, if Jesus pursued these set-aside times, if he made them a priority, you and I are completely foolish to think that we somehow can get through our lives and live life the way that God designed us to without having set-aside times of prayer on a regular basis. Now, I'm not talking about five minutes in the morning or, or while you're brushing your teeth. While there is an important place for that, that continual prayer I was talking about, that continual prayer has to uh, flow from and be supported and stabilized by these set-aside times of prayer. Times where you look at your calendar and you say, Do you know what, Saturday morning, I'm taking an hour. I'm going to go be alone with God. 
you know what, one day this month, I'm going to take the day and I'm going to go, I'm going to be alone with God. You know, every morning before I leave my house, I'm going to go and I'm going to find a place and I'm going to be alone with God. Friends, this concept flows from the simple idea that you and I cannot expect to be present to God if we are never present to Him. And this this set-aside time of prayer is the primary context where you and I get to experience the riches of Jesus. In these places, we, we learn to hear the voice of God as we choose to engage in silence, as we choose to read His Word, as we choose to hear His Spirit speak to us, and as we pray, we bring to Him the desires of our hearts. We pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray the Word back to God, and we sit with Him in extended periods of time. So how do we do this? <laughs> how do we begin to do this? This sounds pretty daunting. I, I think it sounds daunting, and I'm a pastor. Well, I think there's a few really quick things that we can we can do. The first is very simple. Schedule time. Schedule time. Maybe you're young parents. Um, maybe maybe you're single. Maybe maybe you have lots of kids running around. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you are retired. It doesn't really matter what stage of life you're in. No one person's schedule uh, is going to naturally allow them to just have these set aside times. I think it goes against our nature and it goes against our culture to have these types of times. So look at your calendar in the next week, the next seven days. Where is a block of time? You know, think of a minimum of an hour. Where is a time that you can go and have this alone time with God? And then keep that appointment. Make it a priority. You know, you might have to get up early while the house is still quiet and the kids are still in bed. But I encourage you to make that sacrifice. Take that time. In the Life to the Full podcast series, we raise this question Uh, Very simply, it says, are your current commitments and priorities conducive to you experiencing the full life that Jesus came to bring? Are your current commitments and priorities conducive to you experiencing the full life that Jesus came to bring? Sadly, I think for many of us, the answer is no. We are too busy. We are living at too fast of a pace to slow down and actually be present to God. So look at your calendar. What needs to change? What needs to be carved out so that you can have that time? The second tool I think that's helpful is for us to find a space. Find a space that encourages stillness. Um, The Wesley brothers, uh, Jonathan and um, Charles Wesley, um, their mom, her name was Susanna, uh, was this remarkable, remarkable woman who was so committed to having alone time with God. Uh, We read that she had 19 children. If you can imagine, how on earth does this woman find time to be alone with God? Well, she is known for having hid her head in her apron, which is maybe a funny picture. But each day she would sit on a chair, throw her apron over her head to create a type of prayer closet. And this signal to everyone else in the house that mom is having her time with God, we leave her alone. As ridiculous as it sounds, Susanna Wesley both scheduled a time and found a place to be alone with God. Friends, if she can do that, 
when she has 19 kids. That's crazy. That's a lot of kids. I think we should be able to do that too. Thirdly, another tool for us is to dwell in the word. Dwell in the word. Well, our last podcast episode, we talked about praying God's word. And and this concept is a little bit different. Rather than, rather, we recognize that again, that God's word is his voice. And, And something I think that helps us in these extended times of prayer is to just read a short passage and just sit with it. So, so don't come to a time alone with God with a big list of verses I want to read and journaling I want to, you know, all this stuff. Sometimes we do that, but, but don't feel um, the need to do that. Rather come with one text, something simple. It could be as simple as John three sixteen, And you just sit with the simple text and read it. Sit with it. Meditate on it. Don't feel a need to speak. Rather, let God speak to you. Let him speak over you through that scripture and receive an experience that you might have with that passage in faith that God is speaking. Another very helpful tool is journaling. You know, we talk about journaling a lot. I think journaling is is so helpful for us because our minds are so busy. But as we journal, we're able to focus a little bit more. So maybe you journal your prayers back to God. Uh, maybe you, you journal out questions for God and, and maybe write what his response might be based on his word. These are powerful things to help us. So friends, what are you going to do in the next seven days to get alone with God? God wants to be with you. God wants to be present with you. But are you present with him? How are you going to reprioritize time alone with God so that you can experience the life-giving power of God in your life? How are you going to incorporate disciplines of, of communing with God continually throughout the day, but also have disciplines of that set-aside time? So I encourage you, look at your calendar this week. Find time. Block off an hour. Get alone with God. Take the skills you've learned in this podcast series up to now and just spend time in prayer. I promise you, you won't regret it. I promise you, you'll look back and say, man, that was time well spent. And then make it a discipline. Every month, every week, every day, setting aside time to be with God recognizing that as you take that time, you dwell in his presence and you experience that life-giving power that he wants to give to you. And you'll find that that just encourages you and pushes you forward in becoming a person of prayer. Well, thank you for listening to the Becoming People of Prayer podcast series. This podcast series is a part of the Equip podcast put out by Twilliger Community Church. You can learn more about Twilliger Community Church by visiting tcchurch.ca. I invite you to subscribe to and share this podcast with others, as well as to take the thoughts and the concepts from this episode and share them with others. You will not grow as a Christian without the accountability and friendship of other believers. The music for this podcast series comes from one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Sandra McCracken, with her song, He Walks With Me, off her record, God's Highway. You should really check it out. 
Well, God bless, and I pray that you will experience the joy and blessing of being a person of prayer.